This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. <laughs> he wants nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. A happy new year to everybody as we get ready for the final week of the regular season in the National Football League. And it has obviously uh, been a week uh, like one we have not experienced in a uh, very long time, if ever, uh, in the NFL. First, of course, this is uh, brought to you on the Bet Rivers Network. Brought to you by the folks at Bet Rivers for all of your wagering needs. It's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey. Play Sugar House in Connecticut. And Bet Rivers has a new football squares game where you can win up to $10,000 when you make your football plays. So check it out on the Bet Rivers and Play Sugar House app. So check it out, a $10,000 football squares game that is there for you to pick up with a bet of $10 or $50, maybe pick up $10,000. So check it out uh, wherever you wager uh, along the Bet Rivers network or on any of the apps uh, or play Sugar House apps. Uh, check it out. So it could be very profitable for you over the next uh, days or weeks. Um, obviously, we all have uh, had a while a couple of days with the NFL. Uh, it is very, very uh, good to report that the young man uh, ha- that Hamlin has made, according to doctors, a remarkable recovery today, substantial improvement neurologically in terms of his organs, the, my understanding is the uh, levels of certain fluids and acids are very important too. Um, but this young man was very, very ill, very in really grave condition when he was taken to the hospital. He suffered cardiac arrest, and you cannot say enough, and the doctors stressed that today at the press conference. You cannot say enough about how good the care was and how immediate the care was at the game. They recognized that his heart had stopped. They knew exactly what to do. They didn't waste a second to do it. And their protocol probably will be not only lauded, but it will be copied and studied and become, I'm sure, part of a protocol at every stadium because they saved the young man's life. There's no question about it. Uh, Hopefully he makes a full recovery. 
No one's going to debate about whether he plays football again. Well, that's something for another day. But it sounds like he has a very good chance to make a recovery, a uh, full recovery and uh, in time. And that is an amazing circumstance considering where we were a couple of days ago. Um, it's a – I know the NFL took a lot of criticism, and the NFL is terrible, Okay. The NFL is terrible at making these decisions on the fly. They were way late canceling the game. The game should have been canceled immediately. They left the announcers out there with nothing to say forever. They also should never even have thought of putting the players back on the field. Um, Who cares who said what? And the NFL has denied stuff that they clearly did. Well, who cares about that? The bottom line is, it was handled the right way eventually, and more importantly, the protocol on the field by the professionals who were there to, to step in for that kind of incident, not only did their job, they did it at such a high level, they should be incredibly commended for, uh, and lauded for what they did. They saved the young man's life. I don't think there's any question about that, and that's what the doctors talked about today. Uh, the, the job they did was extraordinary. Uh, so congratulations, and they should be uh, cited for that. Um, the NFL now will be under another level of scrutiny, and there will be a barrage of stories, you've already seen them, about safety, about player safety, about the future of the game. Every time there is a significant injury event on an NFL field. It impacts the future of the game. You know there are millions of people tuned into that game who have sons, whether they're young mothers, whether they are young fathers, whether they are fathers, mothers, grandparents, whatever. They have football players on the high school level, on the college level, on the professional level. And so many of them don't want their youngster to play football after they see an event like that. And who can blame them? The game has a dangerous element to it. We love the game. We love football. I mean, so many of us do. It has so many followers in this nation. It is an incredible sport. It's an incredible level of entertainment. The best level of pure entertainment on television. That's why it gets the ratings it does. But the NFL has to do all it can do. And it doesn't. It has to do all it can do to use its riches, its embarrassment of riches, to make sure that the equipment stays modernized and protects the player. Like an example, this player, was his heart was probably stopped by a hit. We don't know the exact details yet. Uh, so, but we feel there's a very good chance that was the case. We knew there was a youngster in baseball in Little League who was hit with a line drive and, and passed away. After that, they came out with a shirt that my kids even wore when they were playing Little League. And it had a 
plastic middle over the heart where if it was hit with a line drive, it would protect. They have to then look at what they need to do to put things around the shoulder pads to protect the back and protect the heart area. They need to continue to move forward in protecting the head. Everything they can do to the helmet in the future. Because the serious injury, that devastating injury like America watched possibly unfold in front of us the other night, has the ability to take millions and millions of prospective players out of the game. Because parents, they think twice about it. I know because you know what? I have a son that's going into college on a football scholarship. Every game he plays, I say a prayer before the game starts, for all the players out there and also that he comes back safe. We know it's a dangerous game. And those of us that let our kids play it on the high school level, on the college level, and if they're fortunate enough on the NFL level, at the pinnacle of the sport, know there's danger with this game. There's an inherent danger that comes with the sport. Everyone knows that. But it's up to the league and to the Players Association and to everyone who surrounds this game to figure out a way to make it the safest game it can be so that there is a future for this sport. Because no one can tell you they don't have that fear when they send their player out. On the high school level, I felt it. When my son plays in college next year, I'll feel it. My wife is, loves football. She's from a football family, and she has said a thousand times, I'll be happy when his football career is over. I just will. That's how mothers think about football. It just is. Uh, they love it. They understand that it's, it can be an educator, that it can mold young men into better men. There's so many good qualities that can come out of football, but... There's also that inherent danger that you have as a parent when you send somebody into the game and, and permit them to play. A lot of people don't let their kids play. I've had so many parents say to me, why do you let your son play football? I say, because he loves it. You don't worry about it? I say, yeah, I do worry about it. Yes, I worry about it. And he's already been injured. He's already had shoulder surgery. He already suffered probably one concussion as a sophomore. Maybe mild, but still. I worry about him for two days. I, I sat next to him and watched him sleep for two days. Stayed up and watched sleep. I was so worried about him. So, yes, anyone, anyone who has somebody playing in those games on any of those levels thinks about that. You'd be crazy not to. But you take that risk because there's so many advantages and good things that go along with it. So it sounds like he's going to be okay. And we should, again, 
congratulate and laud the people who made such a brilliant display of, of maybe saving a life, probably saving a life on the field that night. And hopefully the NFL is coming along in, that, in worrying about the human side of the game. I think they have made strides in that regard. I don't think they're all the way there yet. In the old days, if you talk to the players, they would tell you that the owners didn't care at all. If you talk to a John Unitas, he was bitter about it. Other guys were bitter about it. Then you watch a movie like Concussion and you see how, I mean, let's be honest. What they did in that movie, what they did to that doctor was reprehensible. I don't know how Goodell could look in the mirror after the stuff he did. He shouldn't even be commissioned because of that. What he did in that, his role in that thing. They lied, they lied, they lied, just like the tobacco companies lied. But hopefully those days are gone. And we're moving into a better day. So that the sports can survive. But it needs to take advances in making the game. as It never can make it 100% safe. We know that. But it's got to make it as safe as humanly possible. And if we can prevent a hit like that the other night, if that's what happened here, sounds like it was. Sounds like you had a healthy player there, and he just got hit in such a way that it stopped his heart. As crazy as that sounds. There was a player, if you remember back, and nobody cited that, I guess because when that happened 50 years ago, when we had that fatality in a game, when we had a player who went out for a pass and collapsed, but the reason why I don't think it was linked to what happened here was because of the fact that he was taken inside. The game continued as they, I guess, fought trying to keep him alive, alive, and they didn't announce his death until after the, until after the game was over. And that was, you know, 50 years ago. You know, uh, October 24th, 1971, Chuck Hughes. And it was a very different league then, a very different world then. Very different coverage of the games then. Medical, you know, advances were nil compared to where we are today. So it was completely a different situation. And... That player did pass away, although they did not they did not declare him dead until after I think like fifty minutes after the game because there was a blood clot that was evidently dislodged and that's what caused the death uh, but like I said the, we're in a very different place now with the immediacy, with the coverage we have, with social media, with everything that goes on. But we also have incredible advancements. And just like they did when they did such incredible work on Dennis Bird, they did incredible work the other night. They really did. Remarkable, remarkable work. 
in, in saving a young man's life. Now, because of the advances that he made today and the fact that he made such, you know, an incredible turnaround, we can start to talk about things on the field for this week. And they're having these discussions. There's really no answers. I think the most logical thing is, and it's probably going to help the Kansas City Chiefs a lot, and that is that the game won't be played and they'll just set up the one, two, and three seeds in the AFC based on win percentage and the Chiefs playing an extra game, if they win it this week, will be the one seed. If they beat the Raiders or if the Bills should lose, to the Pats, which is a distinct possibility. Uh, the Bills especially could know on Sunday that they're not, if the game has this, has, if they know then that the game will not be played at all, they will know on Sunday that they can't get the one seed if Kansas City is one. If that's what they decide, they have not made a decision yet. But I don't think they're going to back the playoffs up to play this game. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think this game, my, my gut feeling is this game will not be played. I don't know that yet, but it, it just seems to me that the most logical thing will be just to give Kansas City, if they can go out and win the game against the Raiders, uh, which logically they would uh, and will, they'll be the one seed. Buffalo will be either the two or the three. The Cincinnati will be the other and we'll go forward for this weekend. The other issue this weekend is an interesting one, and it deals with the Giants. This is not exactly the same as the Tom Coughlin decision on a Saturday night to go and play all out against the undefeated Pats in a game that really set the Giants up to win a Super Bowl weeks later against the Pats. Because of the valiant game they played that night against the undefeated uh, Pats. If you remember that, if you were listening to the show, then I was in the incredible minority by wanting the Giants to play all out. Most people thought I was insane. But the Giants did. And it really turned out to be something that was to their advantage. Now, what Dable said this week is very true. Whether the Giants play hard against the Eagles or rest their players against the Eagles, the proof will be in the pudding. It will be in the postseason play. If they play well, whatever decision they made will be the right decision. If they play badly, whatever decision they made will be the wrong decision. That's true. It will all depend on their performance in the postseason. But... Let me say this before the game is played. I firmly believe that the way to play this is to go after the Eagles with everything they have. Because the Giants owe it to the league or to anybody in the league. They don't. They earn the right with their play to make a decision whether they want to rest their players or play this weekend. They earn the right to do that. But I say go out 
and play this game pedal to the metal because it is the best way in my mind to prepare the team for the postseason. This team is not good enough to turn it on and off. Last week I got an email and I said about the Tennessee-Jacksonville and the fact that their game last week didn't matter. Did I, well, how would I play it? And I said, Tennessee, as banged up as they are with their quarterback situation, they're going to rest the guys they need to rest. They're a veteran team. They've been there before. And they're in a very odd spot right now because they've had a very rough finish to their season and they're all banged up. I said the Jacksonville team, young as it is, and on the roll that it is, should not in any way stop and not play this week. They should give it everything they have, play as hard as they can, win that game, go in a way and give them some momentum into this Tennessee game that is a playoff game. That's exactly what they did. They demolished the Texans. They continued rolling along, and now they will play Tennessee this week for a playoff spot. The game is Saturday night, and it is a playoff game. The win is in, the loser's out. I know Jacksonville has a way to get in, but let's be honest. The win is in, the loser's out for all intents and purposes. And that was the right way for them to play it. I think the Giants should do the same thing. And again, not because they owe it to anybody, because they don't. They've earned the right to make their own decision, but because it's the right way to prepare this team at this time for the postseason. Your emails when we come. Want to email the Mike Francesa podcast? Drop Mike a note at mikefrancesapodcast at gmail.com. I'm Mike Francesa, and remember, Bed Rivers has a new Football Squares game where you can win up to $10,000 when you make a play on the football game. So remember, check it out at Bet Rivers and Play Sugar House apps. So remember the uh, Football Square game now at Bet Rivers and Play Sugar House on all their apps. Uh, you, for, uh, you make your football bets and you can win up to $10,000. Uh, send your emails to Mike Francesa at Gmail, the Mike Francesa podcast at gmail.com. Come, we'll get to as many as we can. Tomorrow, look for our Football Friday podcast for the culmination of the regular season. Uh, we will have one for you up there tomorrow. Uh, and obviously, we will be there Sunday. Once we have all the playoff matchups, once we've put the regular season to bed, we will have stuff for you on Sunday, setting up the playoff matchups and looking ahead uh, to everything that's going on in the NFL. And again, Mike Francis, a podcast at gmail.com. All right. Uh, Mike and Patchog starts us with, uh, what do you think is the biggest what if moment in New York sports? I always think back, he says on the Yankees and the 2001 world series after what went on in nine 11, that uh, could have been the most famous championship in sports history. Not sure that would have been the case. Obviously, it was a, you know, a very, very emotional time. It was a remarkable series in a lot of ways. When the Yankees made those comebacks in games four and five, you never thought they'd go out there and lose both games. 
as they did. You never thought they'd fall apart with Mariano on the round, uh, mound in the seventh, in the eighth, in the ninth inning after he was so impressive in the eighth. After Soriano would hit the home run, or Schilling. I was in the ballpark for Saturday night's game and for Sunday night's game. I remember it like it was yesterday, and uh, it was a very tough defeat. There's no question. And it would have been a incredible storybook ending to that season. I don't think there's any question. Um, I think about what if if the Knicks had won a championship under Riley, would that have changed his future path? If they had won that game six as they should have in Houston um, before being blown out in game seven. That one is one that sticks with me a lot. I don't think there's any question about it. But we could do that with so many different games. That, so, uh, you know, does that mean also changing games that have already been winners? What if, as well as flipping games that were losers? What if? So you could play that game um, for a long time. Jason in Jersey, I've been shocked at how little the NFL has done in terms of protecting players from head injuries. It seems to me the league will either be sued or... There will be, or soon there won't be enough kids playing football. Do you think the league has a future if nothing drastic changes? Well, it's, I just addressed a lot of this. I think it is incumbent on the league to utilize every resource they have to make sure they do everything to protect against players gain, getting CTE. Now, remember, they have changed the sport radically. They don't practice and hit anywhere near what they did in the old days. Training camps now are a joke compared to what they used to be. I mean, these teams hardly practice. In the old days, they would do running game for two hours in the morning in the intense heat and then come back in the afternoon and practice again. I mean, and they would practice for 17 straight days in searing heat. They don't do that stuff anymore. They don't hit during the week like they used to. They don't do anything like that anymore. But they still have to continue, as you see with a situation like Atua, who clearly something was up with him. Now, again, I didn't realize he had been concussed in that game. I did in the second half make uh, the point, what the heck is going on? He looks like he's in a daze the way he's playing the game, but that's because the throws were so bad. No one realized what had gone on, and he didn't call it on, you know, on himself either. Now, I, don't, I know you, the player is geared to play, but when you're in distress, you're in distress. Uh, Justin... In Ohio, says, I'm 43 years old, and like almost every Jet fan, I worship the legend of Joe Namath, but very few of us had a chance to see him play. Can you put in perspective his talent and his career? And you, you know we recently had Joe on. And it's funny, I was down in Florida recently, uh, just for the last uh, you know two weeks, and we were talking about Namath, 
because he he lives down there. And someone had just seen him in a restaurant down there, and we were talking about him. And I was explaining to some of the younger people at the table, I said, yeah, you have no idea how big he was. I mean, he was like Elvis. I mean, he was bigger than bigger than life. I mean, he, he was an enormous star, and he was. He was an enormous personality. He transcended sport. Now, as far as his ability, when you go back to Joe as an athlete, Bear Bryant said that his two greatest athletes that he ever coached were Joe Namath and Ozzie Newsom. Joe, when he went to Alabama, was a quarterback who could run and throw. He also was a all-state basketball player and a baseball player who could have signed a huge contract. So he was a great all-around athlete from Pennsylvania. When he came to the pros, his knees were completely shot. As a matter of fact, Dr. Nicholas said the Jets will be lucky to get three to four years out of him. That's how bad his knees were. But if you wanted to think of a player, Dan Marino would be the closest that you've seen to Namath in terms of style. Carry the ball high, great throwing arm, very smart behind center. Didn't run because the legs were bad at that point, but got rid of the ball very quickly, carried the ball high, and had an incredible amount of talent, plus was very smart. I mean, uh, Lombardi called him the prototype for all quarterbacks. So he had immense ability, even though he struggled with injuries and some poor teams for a lot of his career. Dan in Texas, uh, been a tired fan of the Jets for 25 years. I'm tired. As much as I uh, hate turnover, I'm desperate for a proven coach. I'd like to throw the kitchen sink at Sean Payton. Well, a lot of teams are going to want to throw the throw a bunch of money at Sean, it looks like. Sean's going to be out there. Between Sean and Harbaugh, they're bouncing around. Their names are bouncing around a lot. I see tonight Harbaugh tried to cool all that. He didn't shut it down, though. There's no question he's been flirting with Denver and flirting with Carolina. You've heard Sean's name mentioned in Arizona. You've heard Sean's name mentioned in uh other places, even places where there's some winning coaches. I've heard some crazy rumors about Sean for next year. Sean and Tom Brady, Sean and this, Sean and that. So there's, there's more Sean, room, Sean Payton rumors than you can shake a stick at. As far as where the Jets are, you know the Jets are telling you that they are sticking with the quarterback. They weren't going to jettison him this quickly. Not a guy that picked this high. But let's be honest. The Jets cannot go into the season. We're figuring Flacco's gone. They can't go into the season with just White and Wilson and think they have the quarterback spots covered. They need a proven veteran quarterback. I would not, if I'm the Jets, look to draft another quarterback and bring him into this mix right now because that's not going to make them better playing a rookie. The Jets have significant... I've heard a lot of people say now, oh, we were wrong about the Jets, they weren't that good. Nonsense. 
The Jets have superior personnel in a lot of places and a defense that's good enough to win a Super Bowl. They have to get better in the coaching ranks, and they have to get markedly better at quarterback. And right now, Wilson has regressed to the point where he is shattered completely. He has no ability to play that position right now. He doesn't even set up right. He is completely lost. I do not believe you can go in the next year counting on him. You want to tell me you're going to keep him around for a couple years of the project? Fine. But you know what? He cannot be your quarterback going into the next season. And I think they need better than White. So I think they have to go out and get a veteran quarterback. That's always tricky. Does that mean it's Garoppolo? Or does that mean it's somebody else? I don't know. We'll have plenty of time to discuss that. But that team with a veteran quarterback and some better coaching, and a lot of that will come with a quarterback that they don't have to coach because they don't seem to be able to coach this quarterbacks. They can win. The Jets let this season completely unravel because of the quarterback position. And I told you from training camp on that this team was very talented, but it was going to come down to the coach and the quarterback. And those two positions killed this team. Joss in Jersey. McAdoo started hot with the Giants. From a casual fan's perspective, why should I automatically be more sold on Dable? Good question. Fair question. And why is the rest of the league so sold on him? Excellent question. Are we jumping the gun with Dable? No. You can tell right away with a veteran assistant, and Dable paid his dues. He's not a young man. He paid his dues for a long time in a lot of places, a lot of winning places. Coach some good players. Coach some good teams. Now, you can tell immediately if the job is too big or it fits for a guy when he becomes the head coach. Dable, from day one, from the first time you saw him on the sideline as the head coach, you could see that he was comfortable in his own skin. Plus, I mentioned this from the minute he got here. I don't, I'll take a wait and see approach with Dable, but one thing I am impressed with is he put together a hell of a staff. That was obvious. And right now, that's, you hear over and over again how hard it is. You hear guys who have been proven winners tell you how hard it is to put a proven staff together. It's just hard to get your hands on coaches that are quality coaches now. And he went and did it. And bringing in Wink Martindale was an absolute home run. Dable should be coach of the year. Wink Martindale should be coordinator of the year. That's how good they've been. Martindale's coaching has been nothing short of brilliant. I'm going to tell you a secret that I think you probably know. Giants aren't that good. They've done it with mirrors. They aren't automatically a good team next year. They need a lot more players. But their coaching has been superb. They've 
They've coached the quarterback superbly. They've made him confident. And what they have done is they have built game plans that fit his positives, not his negatives. And that's superb coaching. When you can take your coaching and meld it to the player's positives, Jones has negatives and positives. They have completely accentuated the positives and minimized the negatives. But more than anything else, more than even Jones, and Jones has been good and he's kept his turnovers to a minimum, but more than anything else, that defense, that aggressive blitzing defense, changed the Giants. Wondell did an incredible job. Now, did they get some balls bounce their way this year? Absolutely. When you look, when you look at what the Giants did early in the season, in the fourth quarters of those games, and you go back and you go back over those games and realize, okay, from week one, it started right out of the box, okay? They are trailing. They are trailing Tennessee 13 nothing at the half. They outscored Tennessee 21-7 in the second half and win that game. That's a game the Giants wouldn't have won in years, okay? That's a game the Giants never would have won. They're down 13 nothing on the road to a Tennessee team that's a good team, a playoff team, and they win that game, okay? It, set a, it absolutely set a culture and a way of doing things. Okay, they were in a tight game with Carolina in week two. What do they do? They pulled the game out. Now, those are games in the past the Giants didn't win. The Giants never won those games. They'd never come up with the play in the fourth quarter. They'd never, week after week, do that. Okay, and they did it early in the season, and it allowed them to build the confidence, okay? It allowed them to start to believe in something. The Packer game, where they come up with 14 points in the fourth quarter, outscored the Packers big in the fourth quarter. They're down in Lambeau. They're down 20 to 10 at the half. They come back and win that game. The Baltimore game, you go on and on with this team. They did it week after week, okay? Again, winning the fourth quarter, coming from behind, stealing games against good teams, against Baltimore, against Tennessee, against Green Bay. And all of a sudden, the Giants started to believe. They started building a culture. They started thinking they could win. They accentuated the positive. They made the right plays at the right time. They were in the right defenses. They attacked at the right time. Their blitzing saved games and made plays 
Two teams this year won a lot of games. Even though you look at their point differentials and don't add up. Minnesota and the Giants. Are they going to do that again next year? Who knows? But I'll tell you, the coaching this year, the culture they built, and what they relied on, it really hit home. And Dable, Martindale, they did an incredible job. And kudos to some of their players for having good seasons. And kudos to Daniel Jones for accentuating the positive and staying away for the most part from the big mistake. Am I sold that he's a proven guy that you can win with in this league? I think as long as his legs are good, he's a starting quarterback in this league. Without his legs, I don't know that he is, and his legs are a big part of his game. I know people are saying, oh, now you got to apologize. Not me, but I mean, because I never was overly critical of Dan Jones, but I was never very positive about him either. I took a very much wait-and-see approach. I wasn't killing him. I wasn't saying anything good about him. I still don't love him, but I've seen this year what he's done, and it's been impressive. Am I sold now that he's the guy? No, I'm not. Has this team won a lot of games that they pulled out in amazing fashion? Yes, they have. Can they do that two years in a row? I don't know. It's not easy. They need to get better. Now they need to get better. They've built the culture. They're going to be players who are going to want to come here. They've built the culture, but they have to get better in a lot of places. But the guys they have playing now believe in this coach and they believe in his plan, and that's a big step in the right direction in this league. You want to look at the Jets and Giants rosters. Jets rosters way ahead of the Giants. But not in some key positions. Especially quarterback and uh, especially coach, quarterback, and running back. Offensive head coach and defensive coordinator. That's where the Giants. The Giants' strengths start with Dable, Martindale, Jones, Barkley. Offensive line's done a good job in some regards. Other times, not so great, but again, accentuating the positive, which they have done with this team at every turn. And that's why they're going to the postseason. They have, they believe, and believing in the NFL is a big part of it. A very big part of it. And he showed you right from the start that he's that type of coach. And I think the coach is no longer an issue. They have the coach. I know this has been asked a million times, but has your opinion changed on Daniel Jones in the last two games? No. I want to give him credit for what he's done. My opinion has not changed. Ben Monsberger said the NBA has paid a major price for politics in 2022. 
But is the NFL next on the chopping block? I think the NFL had a run with this a couple of years ago where that whole thing with the flag and with the whole, with all the way to deal with everything that was going on in the country was a very divisive for the NFL. It was very hard for them to figure out where they wanted, on what side of the street they wanted to stand on. And to me, leagues should try to stay out of that. Not that they shouldn't be a force for good. They should be in every way, charity and every other way. But they also should appeal to everybody. They are in the business of entertainment. They want everyone to be their customers. Why should they want to take anybody off? But that doesn't mean they can't do good at the same time. They can. And they can use their vast riches in a lot of positive ways. And if that includes helping inner-city relations with players of color, then absolutely. Go to town. It can only help. I was too young, Anthony says, in 94 with you and Dog. How'd you guys handle the O.J. Simpson story? Was it a big part of the shows, even though the Rangers and uh, Knicks were having epic seasons? Yes, it was. And obviously, it came to a forefront with the Bronco chase during a Knicks championship game. And I was at the Garden that night, as other people were, and half of them were in the lobby watch or in the, in the hall watching the TV sets and half watching the game and running it out because that was going on at the time. So that captivated the entire country and everybody, everybody everywhere talks about OJ. OJ was theater for the entire nation. So it didn't matter sports, non-sports, didn't matter what it was. It was theater for the entire nation. Everybody talks about it. JT emails J.J. Watt recently announced he will retire. I know you weren't his biggest fan, but do you think he is a Hall of Fame player? Absolutely. I, I, I don't want to make you think that I ever thought Watt wasn't a Hall of Famer. He is. He's a Hall of Famer, there's no question. I do not believe he was as good and as impactful as some people made him out to be. Some people wanted to call him one of the handful of greatest defensive players of all time. Some people wanted to put him on a level with a uh, Reggie White and a Deacon Jones and players like that and a Lawrence Taylor. And I thought that was a little much. He won player of the year a couple of times. He was a very productive sack player. Uh, again, I think he was a Hall of Famer. I think there have been better defensive players, though. That's all. I was never telling you that he was not a very talented player. I just thought that he got so popular with the fans that he, there was almost an exaggeration to his talents, I thought, a little bit, in terms of how he impacted his teams on the field, in terms of whether they won or lost, and making big plays in big spots, stuff like that. I thought he was a, 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 a smidge overrated, but he clearly, clearly is a Hall of Famer. Tomorrow, look for our Football Friday podcast for week 18. We'll have all the playoff possibilities, and we'll talk about all the games and everything else as we head towards the postseason. Uh, so, again, Happy New Year, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week. 
on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.